and welcome to Talking Migration. Talking Migration is produced by me, Clara Sanderlind, at the University of Sheffield. Many people believe that some or all immigration laws are unjust. Does that imply that citizens and migrants don't have to obey those laws? Do some of us even have a duty to resist them? Uh, and is it possible to believe that migrants don't have to comply with immigration laws, even if you actually think that states have a right to exclude immigrants? To discuss these issues, I'm joined by Matthew Lister, Senior Lecturer in Deakin Law School, and Javier Hidalgo, Associate Professor of Leadership Studies at the University of Richmond. Both have published extensively on the topic of immigration and borders in political theory, and they have particularly addressed the issue of, of the normative status of immigration laws. I started by asking them whether citizens must comply with immigration laws, and you'll first hear from Javier Hidalgo. So I would say in general, no. Uh, and the reason is this. So I would say that uh, immigration restrictions, what they are, what, what I'm mainly envisioning right now is kind of like border restrictions. So um, laws backed up by courts of force that say certain migrants can't come to a country. So that's what I'm thinking about at the moment. And I can expand to other categories in a minute. Uh, so those kind of border restrictions, border uh, kind of exclusionary immigration laws, uh, I would say most migrants don't have an obligation to comply with those. Um, they are coercive, right? They're people with guns and um, batons and things like that. Uh, and I would say, and for the most part, and this is importing my background perspective here, that they are unjust immigration restrictions. Uh, and so what, what does that make them? It makes them unjust coercion. Uh, and I don't think in general we have any obligation to comply with unjust coercion. Um, now, I can uh, say that, you know, there might be some cases and there might be some odd circumstances or um, cases where certain immigration restrictions are entirely permissible, um, but I don't think that's most cases. Uh, and so I would say most migrants don't have an obligation to comply with unjust border coercion. Thanks, um, Matt. Great. So I'm going to say something that I'm going to repeat several times, uh, which is that I think it depends and that we have to uh, draw distinctions between different types of migrants that I don't think it's typically going to be helpful for us to talk about migrants in general. Um, we can talk about people such as myself. So I'm currently a migrant uh, to Australia. Um, I've been here almost three years. I'm now a permanent resident, but I came originally on a uh, temporary work visa. And in my case, I had a perfectly safe and decent enough place to live, uh, lots of opportunities open to me. And then I um, exchanged having legal status in Australia for an agreement to uh, comply with certain types of obligations. And when there's an exchange of benefits like that, it seems pretty plausible to me to think that there's an obligation of someone in a case like that to comply with all of the uh, migration laws, um, or at least the vast majority of them. But if we're talking about migrants who are outside of the country and where there isn't an exchange uh, of benefits for obligations, I think it's a lot less clear. Um, 
it's just unclear why the people outside the country have an obligation to follow the laws of a society that they're not a part of. Um, now, the best argument I've seen for this has been put forward by uh, Colin Gray, who's a legal philosopher at um, Queen's University in Canada. But for his argument, the laws, migration laws around the world would have to be a lot different than they are. Um, they would have to have much more coordination and much more reciprocity between states. And without that, then I think his argument um, and I think he agrees that his argument doesn't work. There's, and without that, there's no sort of general obligation of people who aren't members of a state um, to comply with the laws of the state. Uh, as I'll go on to say, I don't think that means that the states can't try to enforce their laws in some ways, only that the people who are violating these laws don't have any obligation to not violate them, or at least it's unclear to me what would... Um, give them an obligation to not violate the laws. And I would say that I think that that's going to be the case even if we don't think the law in general is unjust. Um, so, uh, yeah, we're going to come. It's a funny, sorry, it's a funny situation because it's a, a case where I think um, the obligations are not correlative with duties, which isn't something we think of as normally the case within a domestic system. Um, so th the state, I might want to say, has a, a, the ability to enforce the law, even though the people who it's being enforced against have no obligation to comply with it. Um, but we'll, we'll talk in a minute about what it means to enforce. So we can go on from, from there. Yeah. Um, if um, just a quick follow-up question, if that's okay. Perhaps um, both sure. of you, or, or um, um, I just wanted to clarify. So you, um, I think you both mentioned that um, immigrants or migrants um, are not sort of uh, subject to uh, to the state uh, in some sense, and therefore don't have to necessarily comply with the immigration laws. Could you just? I don't know if you could just clarify what's different about immigration laws compared to other laws. Um, or if it's just the case that you come to a you come to a country you're not citizens and you, and you don't have to obey any of the laws. So I'll briefly just say yeah. something about that. Uh, so I would say that there is a, a difference. I would not say it's like a categorical difference, but there's a difference because typically the citizens of the state interact with the legal system uh, in ways that people outside the borders don't, uh, and some. Uh, political philosophers think that those ways of interacting are important. So for example, like Matt was saying, um, there's one prominent theory, it's kind of like a reciprocity or fair play theory, which says that if you receive the benefits from the rule of law, you receive the benefits, all these public goods that your government is providing to you, you have an obligation to reciprocate or to do something for your society. And one of those things could be obeying the law. However, if you've never engaged with your a legal system in that way, you just never lived there, you've not been a subject of that state, um, it doesn't really seem like you would have the same kind of obligation. And so that, uh, basically I would say the difference is the way you're interacting with the legal system might make a difference. I'd, I'd agree with a lot of that. Um, I'm not sure I think that, uh, it, it, although I'd sort of suggested it that, the general obligation to obey the law that people have, if they have one, um, 
depends on the receipt of benefits. Um, I think certain of it does in my case because I've made like an explicit exchange with Australia to saying if they will give me these benefits, I will do particular things. But that's not the case for most people, at least not explicitly. Um, now imagine, imagine I just uh, sneak over to New Zealand um, or I go to New Zealand and overstay a visa, so I violate the laws there, the immigration laws there. Uh, I would still have lots of strong moral reasons to obey the large majority of New Zealand's laws, um, even if I didn't have a, a legal obligation or a, a, a different obligation to do so. So I would still have good reason not to um, engage in force and fraud uh, against most people that would be independent of uh, an obligation to obey the law. Um, it might be less clear whether I would have uh, obligations to obey um, sort of less uh, important regulatory rules or something like that. Um, the mere fact that the law had been made uh, in a legitimate way might be less uh, important for me morally than if I was a regular part of the society. Um, I'm not quite sure about that. I, I think questions about legal obligation are very confusing in general. Um, but I think that legal obligation is going to, insofar as it applies, more clearly applies to people who are a regular part of the society, ongoing members of the society than people who are outside or who are not allowed to be members in any case. Yeah, thanks. Um, so, so we just started off with migrants, uh, but citizens also um, have to or uh, are expected to comply with immigration laws in several different ways, such as um, here in the UK, for example, uh, there are obligations on, on landlords and universities and hospitals uh, to, in various ways, um, actually enforce immigration laws. Um, but so... Um, must citizens then comply with immigration laws? Uh, and is there a difference there? Uh, so Matt, do you want to start on this one? Sure. So again, I want to make uh, some, some distinctions. Um, <clears throat> so some, some immigration laws would require people, require citizens to uh, violate what I would consider to be pretty clear moral duties uh, or uh, pretty clearly established human rights uh, of the migrants. So laws that prohibit people from providing aid to people who are clearly in need. Um, these are sadly becoming more and more common around the world. Uh, I think that there's never an obligation to comply with a law that said um, you can't provide aid to people uh, that you come along uh, who are in need. So you see this with people in boats or people in the desert in the southwest of the United States. Um, there can never be a law that obliges you to uh, violate or never be a law that obliges you to not provide aid to people in need or that uh, obliges you to violate the human rights of other people. <clears throat> There's going to be other laws that I think people have a pretty clear uh, obligation to comply with. Um, so you can consider a law that an employer has to ask for certain documents. Um, in the U.S., it would be asking for a social security number and a particular type of ID or a passport before they hire you. Now, this law is going to be um, generally applicable. It applies to 
uh, all people that you hire. Um, it was made in a normal democratic way. Um, it impacts people who don't have legal right to be in the country more than people who do, but um, I don't see why that in itself would make the law uh, illegitimate unless we think that um, there's no legal obligation in general. Uh, so it seems to me that people have an obligation to comply with that law, at least insofar as we think that they have an obligation to apply with laws in general. Um, then there's going to be lots of in-between cases. Um, so you talk about doctors um, needing to ask people's immigration status before they receive medical treatment. Um, that's going to be getting closer to ones that prevent people from being able to exercise their basic rights. Um, I'm not sure exactly where we draw the lines on these things, um, but the one other important point I would emphasize is that most, most migration laws are going to be um, malum prohibitum laws. They're not laws that uh, directly impact moral duties. And there's always going to be, um, going to be less clear obligation to comply with malum prohibitum laws than with uh, laws that directly impact other people's moral obligations. There's more scope for people to exercise uh, their own moral um, beliefs on what they should do when they're dealing with these sorts of merely regulative laws. So even if there is some obligation, I think people have done something less wrong if they decide, say, oh, maybe this person is an unauthorized migrant, but I'm going to rent an apartment to them anyway, um, imagining it's prohibited. Um, what they've done is, uh, if they've done anything wrong at all, um, a very minor uh, uh, infringement on what they should be doing. Right, thank you. And Javier, what's your view on this? Okay, so I yeah, just want to start with a quick uh, distinction. So there are, is a position in political philosophy called philosophical anarchism, uh, and that is the view that there is no general duty to obey the law. Um, that doesn't mean you should like always disobey the law, it just means it has to be a case-by-case -case kind of thing, um, and it depends on the whether it be harmful to disobey the law, whether um, there's some special reason to obey the law in this circumstance, uh, but there's no general duty to disobey the law or to obey the law. Uh, and so I should say, you know, I'm, I'm kind of like a philosophical anarchist. I, I think that's my view. Um, and so I don't think that there is like a duty to obey the law in general. It really depends on the specific moral reasons that bear on that specific law in that specific circumstance. And in fact, I think most people are philosophical anarchists deep down because uh, if you just observe like how people behave every day, like they don't seem to care about following the letter of the law very often. So, uh, you know, it's driving on the speed limits um, or throwing away mail that's wrongly sent to them. That's a, you know, that's a serious crime, but people do it all the time. I do, I do it quite often. Uh, okay, so I think um, philosophical anarchism is true. So I think it really depends on the content of the law right, whether it's a good or bad law. And I just think most of these immigration laws are bad laws, <laughs> right? I'm not gonna say every single one, uh, but I'm saying most of them. Uh, and you know, the ones you pointed out, which uh, conscript citizens, force citizens to enforce immigration laws, I think would be especially egregious. 
Uh, and I, I have to disagree with Matt here. I think that laws that basically essentially prohibit employers from hiring unauthorized migrants do endanger basic liberties, or at least endanger important, important liberties, because they undermine migrants' um, occupational freedom. You can't exercise occupational freedom, your freedom of, uh, to choose the job uh, that will hire you, uh, if everyone's forbidden from hiring you, uh, which is typically the case. Um, but I, I have to concede that if immigration restrictions were justified, there would be a better argument for complying with immigration laws. Um, because of what I said previously, you may interact with your um, society in a certain way that maybe justifies uh, stronger reasons to obey the law. I mean, I don't agree with that, but that's what a lot of people say. Um, but if immigration restrictions are unjust the way I think they are, then I suspect even if you think there is an obligation to obey the law, um, that obligation will be defeated by other reasons. So here's, here's the analogy. So um, say that you promise to obey the law or you consent to obey the law, you sign a contract to obey the law. Um, that's not really good enough for doing something unjust to justify that. So if I promise my local gang to help them rob a bank, that counts for nothing, right? Uh, and so I, I, and I think that a lot of immigration restrictions, especially, or immigration laws, especially the ones that basically try to get you to enforce immigration restrictions by like denying aid, firing people from jobs, what kind, not quite as extreme as the bank robber are still very bad. And, and I don't think a, a contract is enough or any other of the candidates for political obligations. Thank you. So we're going to come on to the question of um, the importance of on these questions on whether you think immigration laws generally are just or unjust. Um, I don't know, Matt, if you wanted to say anything more about that or if we should move on to the next question. Uh, sure, I will say I'll say something about that when we come to the question about the justness or unjustness yeah. of migration laws. I'll leave it for there. Okay, so we've talked so far about uh, whether migrants or citizens uh, must comply with immigration laws, but then there's also a question of resistance to immigration laws in case, um, uh, of course, you think they are not just. Um, so if we start with citizens, uh, Javier, you can go first on this one. So do you think they are permitted or perhaps even obliged to resist immigration laws? Yes and yes. <laughs> so, uh, I would I would say um, both, uh, and you know I've pretty much already talked about the first one, right? So there's I think there's clear reasons to think that um, people can be permitted to obey these, uh, disobey these laws, uh, and uh, just because I you know either you accept philosophical anarchism, in that case yes, you probably could be per, uh, permitted to disobey them. Okay, so you don't. Well, you know, if you accept my background views on immigration, which I'm not saying I have not defended those views, so I see no reason why you would, but if you accepted my background views that immigration restrictions are unjust, then, you know, at least there's strong reasons to not uh, enforce, or there's reasons not to obey unjust laws. Okay, so that's the permission part. Um, the obligation part, I also think, is um, so my view there is you do have an obligation to not obey, to resist, uh, in a variety of circumstances. So the clearest case is when the state says, hey, citizen, private citizen, you 
harm this immigrant or you deny this immigrant aid or you fire this immigrant or not drive them to the emergency room or something like that. Uh, I think those are the clearest cases when the state is like actively conscripting you and trying to deter and penalize unauthorized immigrants. I think there you, you have an obligation to just say, nope, I'm not gonna do that, right? Um, and this is just uh, kind of the same argument that Henry Thoreau gave a long, long time ago. He's like, look, I'm just not gonna do the state's business for it, especially if it's unjust. Um, and so in those kind of cases, I would say, yes, you should, you're obligated to uh, resist. And I, and I would say, you know, I, there could be exceptions, right? So if it's extremely costly, uh, for you, then I can see um, an argument that maybe you, you're obligated, you're permitted not to resist it, to not actively undermine the law. Like, so if you're going to be put in prison or if the government's going to shut down your business or something like that, totally can see that argument there. Um, but I just don't think that's usually the case. Usually, the case, usually you can get away with it. And if you can get away with it, you should. Right, great. Uh, Matt, what do you think? So I, I, I have, again, some similarities and some, <clears throat> some differences. Uh, I think, again, in the case of um, clear violations of human rights or where people are in immediate need, uh, that there's an obligation of people to provide the aid, even if it is illegal. Uh, so again, you come across people in the desert. Um, not only are you not obliged to uh, say, oh, are, are you authorized migrants or are you citizens before I give you a ride to a safe place? Um, but you're obliged to help them no matter who they are, uh, or if it's in the more case in lots of parts of Europe or Australia, if you're a ship captain and you find people at sea, um, arguably you're legally obliged by the law of the sea in that case anyway, but even if you're not, uh, I think you have a moral obligation to rescue people and take them to safety if you find people on the beach to help them get to shelter. And if it's been made illegal, then this is a seriously unjust law that uh, people have an obligation to um, violate. Again, assuming that it, they're not put into grave danger on their, their own. We, you don't have probably an obligation to put your own self into serious danger. Now with more mundane laws, um, I'm a lot less sure about that. Uh, I do think people, again, because most migration laws are uh, going to be malum prohibitum regulatory type offenses, there's more scope for people um, to exercise uh, their own moral, um, moral conscience in deciding whether they think they should uh, comply with the law. Uh, I do think that in most sort of reasonably just, reasonably legitimate states, most people ought to comply with most of the laws all the time, even if they don't agree with them. Um, because it's a, something that follows from living in a reasonably just, reasonably legitimate uh, society. Now, I, I know Javier disagrees with that, um, and I'm not going to offer a full argument for it either, but I think most people have an obligation to defer in most cases like that. But if you um, think that it goes strongly against your conscience because these are uh, malum prohibitum offenses, they're not violating anyone else's rights in a clear way, um, there's a lot of scope for people to exercise their conscience. So, um, and it's, it's 
the type of wrong that people are doing in doing this is not a very serious, not a, an egregious one. Um, because of that, there's room for uh, people to engage in certain sorts of um, resistance in a way that I think is important. Right. Uh, so just to, um, uh, to finish on, on these questions, we have then migrants, uh, whether they are permitted or obliged to resist immigration law. So Matt, do you want to start this time? Sure. So I mean, I, I, I'm not clear, not sh completely sure if migrants are ever obliged to violate the immigration laws, except again, if they're helping each other um, protect each other's rights. Um, but that won't be too different uh, from just people helping each other in general. Uh, more interesting is whether, uh, say that they can use um, physical force to uh, resist. So I, I've, you know, imagine you're uh, trying to cross a border and there is a border guard and they're going to come and arrest you. Uh, and you're not, you're not such that uh, if you don't get, you're not, you're not fleeing persecution, you're not fleeing immediate starvation. Uh, you just want to go to the other country. Um, I don't think that you can use force to stop the border guard. Um, you can't push them. You can't knock them down. You'd be uh, violating uh, a moral duty, uh, even if not a legal obligation in that case. Um, Whether, whether it's acceptable to use uh, fraud, uh, I'm less sure. Um, obviously, if you have, no, you have no legal obligation, I've already claimed to do this, whether you have a moral right to do it is um, certainly less clear to me. Um, now, I do think in cases of people who are fleeing immediate danger, uh, they have a right to try to seek um, seek refuge, whether, they, whether they're refugees or some other type of person in need. I can't say the other word. <laughs> uh, necessitous migrants. Um, they have a right to seek protection. And if a state is trying not to fulfill its obligation to provide protection, um, they have a right to uh, try to get to where they can be safe in any case and they're not doing anything uh, wrong. So they can avoid, um, try to avoid detection in order to uh, receive safety and uh, that there's no wrongdoing on their part to do so. Right, thanks. Uh, Javier? So you probably can predict what I'm going to say here. <laughs> uh, so, uh, you know, basically you just know a little bit of my view and you can predict the rest. Uh, okay, so yeah, I would say uh, definitely permitted, migrants are permitted to resist immigration laws. And what do I mean by that? I mean, uh, basically like evading border agents, immigration agents lying to them. It's like, for example, committing fraud, um, like a, uh, what's it called? Um, when people uh, marry each other just to get the other person a green card or a visa or whatever. Um, I would say that's permissible. And also, I would say in certain extreme cases, um, violence can even be justified. Uh, so let me just talk a little bit about that. Um, so my basic model here is that immigration restrictions are uh, unjust coercion. Uh, and so I think you should, the way to understand what's appropriate in response to unjust coercion is to think, well, what would it be appropriate for me to do 
in response to any unjust coercion, including from a private actor. Now, I agree there's differences between private and public actors, but I think the fundamentals are the same. Uh, okay, and so uh, if like an aggressor, uh, like burglar broke into my house, what could I do to that person to, to get away from them? Okay, I can lie to them, I can run away from them, I can like go around them, and I can even use force if absolutely necessary. Um, okay, so now let's think about migrants and border patrols or immigration agents. Um, yeah, the same applies. I think if, if they're unjust aggressors, they're unjust aggressors, and those same strategies are permissible. Uh, and I would say that it's even permissible to do these things if your basic rights are not at stake. So say that I, you know, I live in Richmond, Virginia. Say I really want to go to Charlottesville, which is a city not too far from where I live. And say, you know, my enemy, my arch nemesis, Bob, sets up shop uh, on the freeway and is going to try to stop me from going there for no good reason. Um, and he's going to use force against me if I, if I try. You know, I can feel like I can lie to Bob. I can get around him. And if he comes after me, I, can, I feel like I can hurt him. Uh, so I wouldn't want to, but only if absolutely necessary. And I, you know, I feel the same thing about migrants and border, border uh, patrols uh, and about uh, what they're, they're obligated to resist immigration laws. So in general, I don't think you have obligations to resist like yourself. Like if you, it's up to you, it's only permissible. Um, but I would say, I think, do think bystanders, like migrants who are bystanders can have obligations to resist. And I would include in that category, like people smugglers. So people smugglers to me, uh, you know, they get a bad rap um, and there's definitely some not nice ones, uh, but people smugglers to me are providing a valuable service to people. And I think in certain circumstances, they are similar to like doctors and nurses and firefighters in the sense that they're rescuing people. And I think you can have an obligation to do those things. Doctors, nurses, firefighters all get paid, and so do people smugglers. Um, okay, so I'll stop there. Yeah, great. So that, um, it follows, the next question follows on quite um, nicely there because um, I think it's quite clear from your answer there, Javier, that um, you believe quite strongly that immigration laws in general or border um, restrictions are unjust um, because that then can justify um, uh, resisting them with violence even though um, uh, you're not, uh, for example, a refugee like Matt was making that uh, distinction. Um, yeah. Oh, so, uh, yeah, no, so I just wanted to ask both of you then uh, whether it is ultimately a question here or whether you think uh, borders um, can never be uh, justified, whether states can have a discretionary right to control their borders uh, or not. So that's sort of the heart of the question, yeah, Javier, do you want to start? <laughs> Yeah, I actually think it is the heart of the question. Um, you know, I think it's your background views on what you think about immigration and immigration restrictions. It's, I feel is mostly gonna determine like these other things. Uh, now I'm not gonna say it's gonna completely determine it because I think there's a small gap between your views about justice and injustice about the whole system and whether you're permitted to obey or um, uh, you're permitted to disobey or resist these kind of things because I can imagine there are can be cer certain special circumstances where it's wrong for you to disobey a unjust law like so for example maybe there's a law that's totally trivial but it's unjust and I promised my wife I wouldn't disobey it well then you know <laughs> maybe I shouldn't disobey even though it's an unjust law uh, okay 
but I think it's largely going to be determined by your background views about the discretionary right to control your borders. Um, and so like one way to think about this is I think about my own work as basically just like, uh, you know, just thinking through some implications of what would it mean to live in a world where there is a unrecognized right to immigrate. Uh, and so if you accept that view, that background view, like it really, I just I'm trying to think through the implications and I think it's mostly determined by that background view. I can't imagine there are weird cases where it's permissible for a country to enforce immigration laws and it's also permissible for immigrants to violate those laws. I, that's you know, conceptually possible. Um, it's just hard to come up with a good example. Um, so I, I would say that uh, if immigration laws are unjust, that largely are unjust, that largely determines the individual obligations. But there may be a weird category of cases where it's permissible on both sides to both disobey and enforce. I can't really think of a good example of that, though. So I'm going to think that overall, it's mostly the justice or injustice determines the individual ethics. And Max? Great. So this is, this is one of the hearts of the areas where Javier and I disagree. Um, and it's a, on a couple of different, different areas. So I think that in general, uh, states have a large degree of discretion in setting their own migration laws. And I think that um, when this is done in a normal, legitimate way, uh, legitimate internally, I mean, uh, we don't want to beg the question about external uh, application of the law, um, that uh, compliance with the law should be followed in a normal way. Um, the, the bare injustice or the mere injustice of a law, um, I think in general, isn't enough to justify uh, non-compliance with it. Now, if I thought all migration laws were unjust, especially if I thought they were seriously unjust, then my view would probably change. Um, but importantly for me, because I don't think that uh, migration laws in general are unjust or deeply unjust, I think that um, the fact that coercion is used in their enforcement uh, is not itself problematic. Now, uh, in the last question, we can talk about some limits uh, about that if we have time. But the fact that uh, I'm not doing something wrong if I violate the law doesn't uh, imply that the state has no right to enforce it. Um, if the state has the right to enforce it, then they have to have the ability to enforce it, and that's going to involve some degree of force. Uh, so I, one place where I disagree with a lot of work that's done is that puts the focus on coercion. Um, I think if you have no, no right to do a particular act, then the fact that someone uses coercion against you uh, to stop you from doing it isn't itself necessarily wrongful. Now, there's, of course, limits on that. And you can see that in normal cases, too. So it might not be wrong for you to enter someone's property under certain circumstances. But if they, they then remove you, um, they're not doing anything wrong as well. Uh, if they prevent you from using some of their property, uh, they're not doing anything wrong, even if you aren't doing something wrong to use their property in the particular circumstances. Um, 
because of that, I think that the mere enforcement of migration laws doesn't justify uh, particular types of resistance. So the fact that I think that uh, migration laws are at least in principle acceptable uses of government power uh, does play an important role in how far I think people can um, be obliged to follow them citizens, uh, what types of enforcement is acceptable, and also what non-citizens can do um, to evade them, how far that they can go to evade them. And in particular, that in most cases, it's going to rule out um, the use of force to uh, evade the laws. Great. Um, well, I think one of the things to sort of crystallize here is that it, the questions of compliance or resistance is dependent perhaps to um, some extent at least on what you think about the borders themselves, but also um, what you think about political obligation um, in itself. That's right. Um, so I wonder if, uh, if uh, you have anything you want to um, add I will mention, so kind of going to the very last question, yeah. that even though I think that states have an, a, the ability to enforce their migration laws, um, at the very least, the same sorts of uh, restrictions on enforcing those laws as other ones imply, and maybe even more, given that the people they're enforcing it against are not obliged. Um, so principles of proportionality, uh, no violations of human rights, um, no enforcing laws that lead to the second class treatment of uh, legal residents and citizens. Um, and unfortunately, that's going to rule out lots of type, those things are going to rule out lots of types of enforcement mechanisms that are used quite regularly um, by even pretty decent states right now, um, including use of detention to deter people from violating migration laws and the like. Um, so lots of the ways that migration laws are enforced right now, I think are pretty clearly unjust, even if the enforcement in general is permitted. Um, sadly, that's not like a lot of other, that's like a lot of other laws. I'd like to mention that Javier also had a short final edition talking about the issue of state enforcement of immigration law. Unfortunately, this didn't record. I do apologize for this. However, if you'd like to read more about Javier's and Matthew's work, you can find links in the episode description. That was all for this time, though. Thanks so much to my guests and to you for listening.